everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. Hi, this is T Outlaw. And you have made it to yet another episode of the Gourmet Goober Podcast. You can find me, JJ Outlaw, at JJ Outlaw on Twitter, at Gourmet Goober on Instagram, and, and something new that even my co-host does not know, there is a new social media platform that people have been talking about for a while called Spottable. And if you're on Spotable, look me up. I'm at JJ Outlaw on Spotable. Okay. <laughs> Twitter's always going to be my main place until it just gets crazy. So we don't know how long Twitter's going to be. But if you're on Spotable, you can find me at JJ Outlaw on Spotable. Okay. Gotta have a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> In this day and age, you gotta have it. Okie dokie. So, and I did it because I didn't want anyone to take JJ Outlaw because, you know, that's who I am. Very good. So anyway, I'm here with my co-host. He's still looking a little dumbfounded. That dude, my BFF, my hubby, the Dark Desperado. You know what? I, I'm going to put a moratorium on that. Now, wait a minute. How are you going to put a moratorium on something that I own? Well, first of all, you technically do not own the Dark Desperado. We... We didn't trademark it. But damn it until somebody comes and <laughs> takes it. Guess who it belongs to? <laughs> and two, according to our president, <laughs> COVID is no longer a thing. <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, he has other <laughs> things to worry about than whether or not I carry this moniker. Okay. <laughs> but remember, you're going to carry it only until COVID is over. And the pandemic is over, according to Do I still need to get shots in my arms? Well, yeah, and we still wear masks because we like crazy safe like that. But Exactly. So <laughs> as such, I will still retain it until I feel comfortable that we are out of said pandemic. Dang it, we're going to call it that forever. I'm sorry, <laughs> does, does that affect you or hurt you in the least? No, I just, I always forget to call you Dark Desperado. <laughs> Well, damn it, I'm keeping it in shape, so there it is. Anyway, whoever you are, you're T-Outlaw. Tell yeah. the people have about you and where to find you. Well, you can find me, that guy, that <laughs> dude, this fellow, the Dark Desperado, T-Outlaw, the notorious non-Tico Wells. Uh, you can Wait, find me on the... the notorious non-Tico Wells? Why do we run with that? I like calling you non-Tico Wells. Well, I don't know how Tico Wells himself feels about it. <laughs> That's why you're the good one. Exactly. <laughs> and that would be T Outlaw on Twitter. And you can also find me on IG because I don't have like a million followers on IG at T Outlaw Josie Wells. We don't either. We're just comfortable enough to have enough followers that occasionally I get bothered by people who want us to do something and get in contact in our DMs, but not enough to be like a big time star. We're in a sweet spot. <laughs> no, I basically am just followed by bots and Instagram hoes. <laughs> hey, you have Instagram hoes following you too? Hey, at least I'm down, what is it, spotable or whatever? Hey. Being followed by like, you know, I don't know, Loki or whatever. You wish I would follow by Loki. <laughs> I wish I was followed by Loki. Hey, Tom Hiddleston, if you're listening, look no. me up. No, 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 no. Anyway, we are on Facebook as well. 
at the Gourmet Goober blog. Why, you ask? Because we used to be, and still is, a food blog that you can find at thegourmetgoober.com. So now that we got all the housekeeping out the way and confused the hell out of our listeners. Yeah, it's basically old folks <laughs> bickering. Hey, I'm not old. <laughs> Speak for your damn self. <laughs> we are happy to be back. Wow, it's been a crazy few weeks. Dude, with Valentine's Day and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which doesn't sound like it should be an official day, but it is for me because I'm a blurred. You are. <laughs> there was, what, the NBA All-Star Game. So just tons of stuff that's happening between the mic. And, of course, we are working on, oh, my gosh, I wish I could tell you. We are going to be restarting our interviews, and I'm working on such a huge one. But I can't say anything yet. So. <laughs> Have you been sworn to secrecy? Well, I, I usually like to wait until everything is, like, done, right? Okay. You know, we dot the eyes. And it's, it's like when we got that interview with Bob's Burgers and the Bob's Burgers team, and I wanted to tell everybody. And you're like, dude, until the interview's done, be quiet. But you know me, right? It's really hard for me to do that. So I like want to like put it outside of my car as I drive by. Hey, I'm interviewing this person. Hey, I'm <laughs> but still no, I that. can't. <laughs> so I'm I'm being very nice and I'm talking to his people who are very cool as well. Hello, mystery person's people. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we have just been really busy on a lot of cool stuff i agree i mean it's it's helpful and hopefully we will get back to you soon with uh, updates on what we have in store yes yes including something that hopefully will happen later this year that we will share with you guys and take you along the way when we do it and that's all that we can say for now fair enough (laughs) so how was your week, my dear? How was my week? Or the last few weeks since you've been on the mic. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I mean, I would like to give great respect to the uh, the people who uh, brought us Black History Month, the shortest month of the year. Oh, yeah. Of course. Always. Yes. <laughs> Beginning of Thanksgiving, Credence, that we are here to learn about our history and not have it mm, withheld from us. Because if we do not learn about our history, we are once again doomed to repeat it. But we're not going to get into that. There was a Super Bowl. I am not Rihanna's baby daddy. Uh, we know this because... I don't have that kind of talent at all. <laughs> not even remotely close. We get it. But yeah, there was a Super Bowl. I, I was. I watched it a little bit. We watched for commercials and whatnot. A couple good ones, a couple of crazy ones, but uh, besides that, and I know we're still waiting for the Academy Awards and see if Slap Best 2 comes down. Uh, the other thing that went on was... Wait, did you say Slap Fest? Slap Best 2023. What's Slap Fest? Well, I know that Is there that was a sport? A, it should be. But, you know, for we're not going to get deep into the slap, you know, that was heard around the world. Oh, you mean Slap Slap Fest. Didn't you share with me once that there was actually, like, a slap 
type thing that's a sport. Like yes, for reals, for reals. There is a, there are a set of competitions where it's almost like arm wrestling, but it's like slapping where one person will, you know, basically lay the hardest pimp hand down <laughs> upon the other one. And I guess whoever either falls flat or basically, I don't know, just says no moss. It's slap fighting. I just Googled it. It's known as slap fighting. Okay. I don't understand why that's a thing. Or slap boxing. I'm a proponent. <laughs> or at least I should be. See, these are things they should have told you about when you were children. There's a possibility of being a job. You know, like, for example, we're old enough to know that if we were pressed to figure out that gaming could be a thing, bitches, I would take all of y'all and Pac-Man from way long ago. Okay? <laughs> I would be rolling in Pac-Man money. But my mother was just like, you're not going to make a career out of this. She was wrong. Just like slapping. If I knew that laying down a pimp hand could be a way to put bread on the table, really? I, I laugh because I think that we kind of did that in grade school when we were real. We were bored and had nothing better to do. Yes, but you didn't think that they would pay you for it. They left that part out. At what point did they decide that that was a way to make a living? Good question. But I would think that I would want to go to the Olympics of slap fighting. That might be an interesting way to, like, you know, make it to the top and earn good money. I keep having the thoughts of, like, you know, Mickey Mouse, like, you know, being a good slap hand, a slap fighting boxer. But, yeah, nonetheless, aside from that, hopefully that will not occur again at the Academy Awards. And yes. if so... There are counselors, or as you would say, crisis teams. Oh, that's right. They came up with a crisis team, I read. Yeah. A crisis team for basically two men having a, I don't know, a public discussion that really should have just been a backstage incident. But anyway. It should have just stayed on World Star Hip Hop. True. <laughs> if you don't know what World Star Hip Hop is, just Google it. We're not going to stop for that. Good enough. But nonetheless, there is the NBA All-Star Game, or All-Star Weekend, as you would say. Now, this year, they had it in Salt Lake City. Yes. And if you have listened to the Gourmet Goober podcast in the past, then you will know the great affinity that Big Daddy and I have over the NBA All-Star Game. Like, our first official date was doing an All-Star Saturday, believe it or not. Remember, we went to the semi-formal together in college, and then we had taped the dunk contest, and we came home and watched the dunk contest together. We did. Also, that's when we had our first kiss. Sorry, Mom and Dad. But that's when it happened. <laughs> if they happen to be listening. <laughs> yeah, a kiss is a kiss. <laughs> but yes, that was when we had our first really good embrace yeah. And get together was during uh, the All-Star Skills Saturday. Yeah, so it's kind of been like a thing for us over the years. And if you also listen to the show, then you would know that during All-Star Weekend when it was held in Chicago, Big Daddy and I had a great time with that as well. Including that I almost got a chance to hang out with Bishop Don on Magic Wand. Yes. Until Big Daddy put a kibosh on that. Because yeah, he didn't want to hang out down. with the pimp. 
Mm. But he wasn't going to have me work the street. He's, you don't know. I don't know what kind of, like, you know, <laughs> organization that this man has. <laughs> Look, Snoop Dogg was going to be there. We didn't know what Snoop Dogg was going to be doing. <laughs> Look, you guys, you can go back and listen to the episode. It's a really great tale. But yes, I might have been in- invited to hang out with a pimp's party. I didn't do it, though, because quite frankly, I was working for a nonprofit for violence against women. So I just figured it would be a bad look if I showed up. Right. Yes. (laughs) And maybe it would have pissed off my husband. But anyway, the point I'm trying to say is we're huge fans of the NBA. We always have great stories around the NBA All-Star game. We actually went to. What was it? The Brookies game? Yeah, oh, the we Rising to, Stars. The Rising Stars competition, which was the Friday night when it was four degrees. Yes. At the United Center. And we got stuck at Harold's Chicken with, with half of Chicago. <laughs> with a whole bunch of people. Yes. In one enclosed space. And I ate your chicken. And you ate my chicken. <laughs> Blasphemy. Look, you left the chicken in the fridge for several days. I was on you. See, this goes back to Harlem Nights. <laughs> I had it sitting there prepared, ready to go for when I had that. You know when you have that taste in your mouth? (laughs) When you was ready to come get it. And when I went to go get it, it was not there to be gotten. Because the goober got her hands on it and just said, oh, he wasn't thinking about it. So No, I asked you and you were asleep and rolled over. So I took that as a yes. Oh, so wait a minute. My <laughs> non-confirmation at that point was basically me saying, oh, go ahead and just knock out this chicken. Yes, and it was great. Anyway, so go back to our story. So. You took away Harold's chicken from me because I was in a, you caught me in a state. How did we get down this rabbit hole? I'm sure everyone's confused. We go down rabbit holes every single episode, but nonetheless. <laughs> so. All-Star Game, All-Star Saturday Night, big deal in our house. We watched it, and weren't you going to say something about the dunk contest, right? No, I was going to talk about this chicken again, but (laughs) first there was a skills uh, contest. So after that was the three-point shootout, which was won by uh, Damian Lillard of Portland. Right. That was actually entertaining as I was seeing their counting shots. So that was cool. And then there was the dunk contest, the AT&T Slam Dunk, which was uh, for the past few years has been lackluster. We'll start off with saying that. It has been a thing where you won't have like the elite dunkers in the NBA up to that point. You'll just have some guys who are on rosters that are just like, okay, we're going to show up and, you know, get a couple good dunks in. But, well, let's just call it what it is. It's just not been... A huge thing. We've gone through different iterations of how we can make it more interesting, but it was kind of lacking up this year. Yeah, the little guy who won, and maybe I shouldn't call him little guy because he's still taller than me by a foot, as I found out. Six two. <laughs> yeah, a foot taller than me. Okay, so yeah, he's about four inches taller than I am. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> really? Are we going? Are we going here? Anyway, Mac McClung, I think is his name. Yes, he was amazing. The incredible thing about him is 
he just joined the NBA from the G League. Like, he wasn't a regular NBA player. Like, he had just got a contract and played all of, what, two games with the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, I don't even know if he got even two games in with the 76ers up to that point. And then he went from that to literally winning the dunk contest, going in the same rarefied air as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. If you think about it, he was called up on that contract literally almost a day before the, I guess you would say the participants were named for said competitions. And he's been posting dunks on YouTube for a long time. True. So it's not like he hasn't been on their radar. Exactly. So I think that this was a salvo from the NBA to say, hey, we need to step up the competition. So we're going to bring in somebody who may not be worrying about their playing time or contracts right now. Granted, I could be very much wrong, and Mac McClung could, you know, hang around for the rest of the season and further for the 76ers, but that's what I believe, and that's what I'm going to stick to until I'm proven wrong. But, honestly, Big Daddy and I would watch the All-Star Dunk Contest back in the day when we were in each other's dorm rooms. That's how long it's been a part of our lives together, right? And we would automatically talk like, dude, that's like one for the ages, right? And you don't really get a lot of those responses anymore with the contest. So hopefully this will bring it back to his former glory. I think he did a really great job. It was really enjoyable. I really liked it. And there were several times Big Daddy and I were like, damn, (laughs) Did that little dude do that? And I call him a little dude because he was way shorter than the other participants. But he did that thing. So shout out to him for bringing it and making the rim rock during what would have may have been a lackluster competition. Fair. I'm willing to say, like, I'll give Mac McClung his, his due. And like I said, hopefully he hangs around. But also I'd like to give, you know, thanks to the rest of the participants, and also to the other competitions, because I know the Goober was also a fan of the three-point contest. Yeah, they were. The three-point contest was really good. Um, We had two representatives of my Indiana Pacers on there, which totally loved. Yeah, they lost to Dame Lillard, but at the same time, it was a good contest, so no complaints there. Yeah. You know, that wasn't the only thing that happened during our time that We've been away. The other thing was Valentine's Day. (laughs) Oh, boy. I have to say, if I do say so myself, that I should probably take home the award for best wife ever. And why, you ask? Big Daddy, do you want to share what I got you for Valentine's Day? The gourmet (laughs) goober has once again found a way to always change my perspective perspective of what I think that she's going to give me in terms of presence. So this time I'm anticipating like, you know, oh, maybe it'll just be something simple like, oh, it'll be a sandwich or maybe it will be something kind of cerebral. Wait, you thought I was going to get you a sandwich? Well, dang, (laughs) I knew it would be food related. I'll say that. Because I wasn't, like, expecting, like, roses or anything like that. But nonetheless, like, she definitely stepped up. And she gave me, of all things, like, some 
she gave me a like a, a nice little speaker, you know, so I could use it from my cell phone. Technically, those were for the pets. Oh, I'm sorry. The pets, <laughs> my doggy and... The doggy producer. Doggy producer and, uh, you know, Ricks and Rocks over here, you know, the two cats from the block of the ghetto cats. They gave me a nice, nice little speaker. Also, the Goober gave me a money gun. Not that I have money to put in the money gun that's actually real. Well, there's fake money in there. There's fake money. Yeah, there's a $1,000 in fake money. Let me emphasize the word fake. <laughs> yes. Because I don't have real money. <laughs> unless they want, like, you know, the dollar ninety nine, you know, deal. And they can't exactly shoot coins from a gun. But the Goober also gave me one of the things that I believe the last thing you gave it to me was the around our anniversary, uh, like over a year ago, she hooked me up with a brand new assortment of wings not just regular good old chicken wings but we're talking about chicken wings from my favorite establishment that i may or may not have visited years upon years ago well before i met the guru a certain establishment around atlanta that is known for having glass slippers <laughs> that is known for having very good chicken but also very good entertainers it is from a place called Magic City. And the proprietor has contacted an NBA player named Lou Williams who makes some very good chicken wings. Or, you know, ha has his name on some very good chicken wings called Lemon Pepper Lou Wings. <laughs> oh, these are some of the best chicken wings I have ever had. Lemon, let's just put it, these wings are so good. Lou Williams is risking getting thrown out of a season of the NBA to hit up these wings, okay? Yeah, Lou went AWOL for these wings. <laughs> Lou went AWOL during a pandemic to get his hands on these wings. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> and I know we have talked about this in, in a previous episode, like, a little ways back, but yeah. My wife got me some lemon pepper Lou wings. They were very good, tasted, tasted wings. And because you can't just have the wings by themselves, I got you the Make It Rain moneymaker. So you can have the full strip club experience without being at the strip club. See, that's how I care for you. Thank you. <laughs> all, I gotta do is, all I gotta do is get a pole up in here and make things, you know, make a look, make a, some change go strange. No, you, you don't want my behind on a pole. I, I can't. I can't guarantee my safety or anybody else's. Well, that means I gotta take the money gun and, <laughs> and go to a club and make 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 some things happen. Now you go up in that club with those fake hundred dollar bills. We'll see where that gets you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I got the idea because I was looking online for something for work, and I came across an ad listing for the Make It Ring, a money maker. <laughs> Target, and I was like, you know, I cannot leave this earth without handing that to Big Daddy. What do I do with it? And then I thought, well, you can't have Money Maker, the Money Maker without strip club wings. So there you have it. 
I was very appreciative <laughs> for these wings. I also think you just enjoy me getting them because you get to tell your coworkers, my wife got me shrimp club wings for Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Some coworkers were very, they thought that she was the best wife ever. <laughs> I also thought it was really strange when my boss echoed the same sentiments, but then I'm thinking, because my boss apparently follows me on social media, that was kind of scary. Wanted nothing to do with that again. But yes, I thought it was a tremendous gift. And I was very, very happy to receive it. You know, after nearly 20 years of being with you, some people may ask, JJ, why shrimp club wings? Aren't you afraid of giving any ideas? To which I reply, you know, I get to eat them too. And they are great. They are great. I, I'd work a little change up in here on a pole to get my hands on some. Well, not really, because Big Daddy knows my issues for going to a strip club and wanting to, like, disinfect everything. I, I'm not sure how it works. But we're not going to go down that rubber hole here. That I'm glad that I got that for you. And hopefully you enjoy it. And to the great people at Gold Belly, <laughs> thank you again for hooking us up and giving us an opportunity to order that. Yes. Cannot recommend Gold Belly enough for experiences like that. They are great. They were very, very appreciative. <laughs> I was very, very happy. Now, I guess the flip side of that is, so what did I bless the Gorby Goober with? <laughs> well. He tried to kill me. <laughs> Just kidding. Not Just by kidding. intention. You did not intend to do that. Okay. <laughs> So, I I guess I I am due for this explanation, and I will make it very, very brief. So, I was watching the, of all things, like the Tamron Hall show. Shout out to Tamron Hall, uh, former Chicago anchor. On one of her shows, she had a vendor from a place called the Harlem Chocolate Factory. Harlem Chocolate, of course, is in New York City. They make some very good chocolate. I don't remember the everything about this uh, this place, or like you know her story, her backstory. I would say, but I said to myself after listening to the segment and Tamron Hall like co-signing on how good these uh, chocolates were, I said, you know, what? I want to support you know a, a small business, and even though it's like you know not in my local area, I want to support. You know, good black business. So I made the adjustment and went and online purchased to have delivered some truffles from Gollum Chaka Factory. And I had to pay extra because I wasn't sure if it was going to make it by Valentine's Day. So I also tried to save my ass by buying some roses. Which helped me out a little bit, but yeah. So I bought some roses and I bought some chocolates. So I got wings. She got chocolates. I think I made out better on this deal because... <laughs> Here's the thing. For those of you who aren't familiar with um, the show, or for me, but I have a really bizarre sensitivity to alcohol, which means that I can't drink it. I can't metabolize it. Even small amounts, like amounts in like what's normally known as non-alcoholic, 
drinks like non-alcoholic wines or not like the sparkling grape juice, but like stuff that's made by Sutter Home Frey, for example, which has up to 0.05% alcohol in it. What you would commonly call near beer, like O'Doul's. Yep. That is enough to give me plastered as hell. <laughs> I don't know why. It's always been that way. I found out this when I was in college years ago. I had three, four Sakana Coors Light and blacked the fuck out. Like, literally, they were calling the ambulance when I came to. I literally went to the doctor who said, please have more of a tolerance than I do. So <laughs> what that means, long story short, is at our wedding, we toasted each other with Sprite. <laughs> so anyway, Big Daddy was kind enough to give me these incredible truffles, which, by the way, are great. They have unique flavors, like not just tr traditional chocolate truffles. So we got like sweet potato pie, banana pudding. There was a red velvet truffle. But then they also had truffles that were loaded with cognac and champagne and Uncle Nearest whiskey. And so I thought I was reaching for one that was the red velvet one. And I accidentally ate the one with the Uncle Nearest. Oh, let me tell you, that was a lit day at the office. <laughs> so that's why I pulled Big Daddy aside and said, you know, when you ordered this, you accidentally sent me some with alcohol in it. So I can't finish all of them. So you had a chance to enjoy them too. And I hope they were really delicious. They were. <laughs> but Big Daddy, bless his heart, was like freaking out the entire week because in his words, he almost killed me with my Valentine's Day present. Yeah, so this is a uh, shout out to the nice people at Harlem Chocolate Factory who did an absolutely splendid job with yeah. these truffles. Also for having tremendously good truffles. Exactly. Also to the men and women out there, read every part of the order. <laughs> yes. To make sure that you, as a person who has been around the Goober's life for almost 30 years, um, to be able to know what may or may not have alcohol in said chocolates. Yeah, because, you know, that would have been kind of awkward to explain to my mom and dad. So, hey, where's JJ? What happened to her on Valentine's Day? Truffle. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, she, I, I gave her a whiskey truffle. <laughs> And she just up and died. <laughs> yeah, that would have been kind of hard to explain to my in-laws. Yeah. How did you do in? Because I don't want to be, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to end up being on Inside Edition with like, you know. Oh my or God. Or TMZ with like my, like my mother-in-law, like just, you know, doing interviews with like Nancy Grace or Deborah Norville. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need that. Yeah. So on that note, that would probably, we would skip that Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, back to food and pop culture. Allegedly. Oh my gosh. I think we have just blown this segment. <laughs> we're, okay, so. We're sorry. <laughs> I, I would like to believe we were we going to talk about Ant-Man or were we just going to like just. Well, we don't have to make Ant-Man long because remember I saw Ant-Man and what did I say as we were leaving? It was the shit. That's all I have to say about it. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was. <laughs> King, Con King the Conqueror is going to 
like fuck up everybody and he's going to be in Loki again. So that's all you need to know. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to take a break. <laughs> Wait a minute. An entire Marvel movie explained in a few words. Yes. Cause, okay. Because, you know, in a production meeting, you say that sometimes I go too much on that tangent. So I'm just going to say forget all the, you know, Rotten Tomato reviews. It was the shit. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it also. <laughs> Because apparently, as the goober says, it was a shiznitz. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to take a moment to recollect ourselves. And then we're going to come back with three stories that intersect food. The oh, I'm sorry. Let's try this again. Would you like me to do it? <laughs> we're going to do three stories that basically discuss the intersection between food and pop culture. Yes, and I promise it will have no conversation about zombies, basketball, or gators. Or at least we'll try not to. We will talk about alcohol, though. <laughs> All righty. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We will be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. Hey everyone, we are back. This is JJ Outlaw. And this is the Outlaw. And this is What's Eating Us. It's the segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast where we share three stories that cross the intersection of food and pop culture. And I have to say... I'm really loving the stories that we're going to present this week, especially the third one. I, I have to say that even though we talked at length on the first segment about the fact that I cannot consume alcohol, I almost wish I could just to get my hands on one of these things. <laughs> but we'll talk about that more in a moment. Our first story, actually, we wanted to include it because we thought it would be a perfect pair to the story that we presented last week. If you guys may recall... We share with you what we deem to be forevermore the world's greatest chicken wing heist. <laughs> Why? Because one woman managed to steal over 11,000 boxes, over $1 million. I think it was like $1.5 million. Sounds about right. Something like that. Of chicken wings from Gordon's Food Service, which is not only ingenious of itself and how she pulled it off, but the fact that. The organization that she stole it under the name of didn't even serve chicken wings. And she was able to pull that off for many years. I stand a legend. Okay, I look, I appreciate a good chicken wing. Big Daddy knows this. I literally gave him chicken wings for Valentine's Day. But not just any chicken wings, okay? Like we established, they're the world's best chicken wings. Yes, very good strip club wings. <laughs> and a moneymaker if you would decide to 
you know, want to recreate the trip club experience at home. Don't think I won't try. Warning you, don't take those fake $100 bills into an actual club now. I don't have bail money for you trying to cheat those women. I'll also take my track shoes. <laughs> I've seen you run. You're not going to get far. Oh, she put me out there on blast. <laughs> That's okay, baby. Neither am I. So, on that note, we were just trying to figure out, you know, as we were going over stories in our production meeting. Dude, what could totally top that theft of the chicken wings? Well, you know what? The UK is not to be trifled with. They want to put in their own order for the most audacious food-related. And so that's why this story totally intrigued me. Because again, like chicken wings, I appreciate a good Cadbury cream egg. Big Daddy knows this. It's the one thing that I insist on getting my hand on this time of year. It's one of my only foodie traditions I got. Yeah, she right. is a fan. Seriously. The day after Easter, I am one of those people who are like scouting, looking for the Cadbury creamates. Yeah, she's almost a hoarder, kind of like this fellow. You know, I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. But I'm not nearly as bad as this guy because, dude, in London, there was a guy who was convicted of stealing nearly 200000 Cadbury cream eggs, which as of this recording as of right now was $48,000 or 40,000 pounds. And what the British police has dubbed a quote unquote eggs trafficking threat theft. Okay. I didn't come up with that joke. That was not me. I'm just, I'm merely the messenger. That's okay. We'll <laughs> let this go this one time. So this guy by the name of Joby Pool. He pleaded guilty in court recently to what he called, it was called criminal, criminal damage and theft. And he basically broke into, he used a metal grinder to break into a unit in Stafford Park in Telford, West England, and made off with over 200,000 chocolate eggs. I think I'm thrown, first of all, because I think when we visited London, I think we went through Telford. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah, I think I know where the building is. Now I'm pissed, because had I known I'd been that close to it, that might have been me. <laughs> that would have been a totally different story. American woman smuggles. <laughs> Better question is, how was you going to get that back on the plane and through customs? Mm. Well, you know what? Oh, wait, now, I like how she's thinking about it. Like, yeah, you know what? See how you know what? It depends on what airport. Because remember when we went through Heathrow and we had... Something to declare. They really didn't go through our shit, did they? No, no, they did not. So we just sort of like got it on through. So depending on where we hit the eggs, we could have totally made it. Not not that I'm thinking of, you know, when we go back to London this year to do that. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Mental note. Examine. <laughs> Seven suitcases to see where I could stash the eggs. <laughs> Telfer, West London building. Some reason was broken into multiple times, <laughs> including by a little black woman with a lot of random eggs or orbs in her pocket <laughs> and or purse. Look, every black woman knows in the last resort you can stuff them in your in your in your bra, okay? Oh, I apologize. I, I grew up with a black mama, you grew up with a black mama. 
there are some places they're not willing to search. But we also know that Black Mamas used to put back in the day, like candy, money, different stuff in your bra. I am prepared. <laughs> now, 200 eggs might be a little much. I mean, I do have big breasts, but I don't know if I could pull that off. What are you going to do? Whip that one of those Medea bras? <laughs> You're just Who's going to question that? Why is those things dragging on the on the on the ground? Plus, I need to like put something cool in there so they don't melt. Yeah, this this you know, I'm gonna have to put some thought behind it. But anyway, <laughs> what Jordan <B> did <laughs> is he used a meat grinder to break into the unit, and then he took off in a tractor unit. <laughs> When the police found out that he, what he did, they gave chase, obviously. So it was like the Italian job. Yeah, it pretty much was. Until he realized um, that he was being placed by the police and then pulled over into a safe location when he, he recognized that the gang was up so the police could come and get him. I love the fact that over there, like, you're like, oh, like we're in the middle of a chase and then you're like, oh, well, I guess the time's up. I'm not going to get into a shootout because, well, we don't have a lot of shootouts over there. So we're just going to do it so nicely. Yeah, the poll um, solicitor, which is a fancy way of saying lawyer, got it. said that he wasn't offering any resistance and then he was arrested. So no one laid the smack down on him for trying to abscond 200,000 Cadbury eggs. Sadly, I don't think that would actually happen here in the United States. No, because they would, they would literally put me on like in the ground just for stealing some eggs. And then, of course, I guess if I stole some regular eggs, and they people would really come after me with pitchforks and whatnot. Dude, as expensive as regular eggs are, it's easier to get away with gold in Fort Knox than eggs nowadays. True. I paid almost four dollars for a carton of eggs this week. Four dollars. Yes. Last time I went in the store, it was still six seventy five. I went to Aldi's. Okay. <laughs> they have a little bit of a discount. Okay. There <laughs> go for discounts. So my question is, because they never explain what he. Here's here's my question. Okay. Like in the case of the chicken wing theft. Now, like I said, I can appreciate a good wing. And we have, like, a really nice deep freezer, but even we can't store 11,000 cases of chicken wings in our, in our deep freezer. We can't. So, what are they doing with, like, what was he planning to do with 200,000 Cadbury eggs? Sell them. <laughs> so, you think he's going to roll around London, maybe wait outside a tube station, hey, want to buy some eggs? Yeah. No, great. They're going to ask, what, what, like, which <laughs> eggs you're talking about. But, yeah, like, especially, like, you know, women like you. But, yeah, they'll be like, listen, I got a box of Cadbury eggs on cheap. I got a hookup. Because, you know, I guess over there, as much as over here, you can always get a good hookup. Yeah, that is true. Plus, depending on the chocolatier, <laughs> over in London, they do have, like, Nice things that they do with some of the Cadbury eggs. I don't know. I think I almost think in the grand scheme of things, it might be a little easier to spread 
the chicken wings around yeah. than the Cadbury eggs because they're so specific. And I think people might be tipped off to the idea that suddenly someone came about and had over 200,000 eggs. Now, they're not big eggs, but, you know, you have to, like, store them and so they don't melt. And I think if I came home and you're like, hey, baby, I got some Cadbury eggs for you to the tune of over 200,000, I might have questions for you. <laughs> Chicken wings Wait, might be a little bit better because it'll be like, you can literally say, well, you know, they fell off a truck or, you know, we went to that one one place that we will not name that has really good deal on meat because we don't want it to get gentrified. <laughs> you know, the place where we got the tomahawk steaks that will go unnamed. Exactly. I, I understand <laughs> completely. So you can tell me, like, you know what? They had a really great deal on chicken wings. And you might be able to hide that from me for a little while. I don't know to the tune of 11,000. No, 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 no. <laughs> In this neighborhood, not a whole lot of people are going to ask a whole lot of questions past, are they good? They're not going to ask questions, first and foremost. And let me remind you <laughs> that if I brought home, what was it? How much? How many things of Cadbury eggs? 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. Past you being appreciative, are you going to ask a lot of questions? Really? Mm, I might be concerned if I saw there was a massive theft. <laughs> I wouldn't want you like go to jail to satisfy my Cadbury craving addiction. Now, if you don't snitch, <laughs> snitches get stitches, and I'm doing it for you. So my defense is, I did it because my wife told me to. Oh, no, no, no. At no point did AJ tell you to make off with chicken wings and or Cadbury eggs. Don't put that lie out there. So once again, <laughs> if I go down, I'm taking everybody with me. I'll take the Uber driver with me. The only person I feel that would get away with it is, wait, does this neighborhood still have the candy lady? The I don't one know. The one you she... have when you were a child? I mean, obviously not that same one. No, because I think she passed on, but I'm, I haven't asked anyone around the neighborhood, but I'm sure, like, yeah, when you grew up, there was always a random candy lady in well, the area. Not, so in my, not in my neighborhood. I, I've never heard of that before I met you. Okay. I guess Should it was we explain us. it for the listeners? I guess we can, sure. Okay. You're going to have to explain it because it's a strange phenomenon for me. But wait, wait. I was the candy lady. That explains a lot. <laughs> Give your explanation first, and then I'll give mine. <laughs> no, there's, there's no real explanation that has to no, be no, had. No, 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 no. Okay, you were saying how in your neighborhood, we were watching some movie, and they were talking about, like, hitting up the candy lady's house. And I was like, so, wait, there's, like, this strange house in the neighborhood that you go to, and they just sold you candy. And then that's when you said, well, wasn't that in your neighborhood? There was one in my neighborhood. And you describe how there was just this house that you know that you went up inside the house and she had like a candy store that she was rocking in there. Yeah, there was just some random lady. Generally, it's always near a bus stop where we would uh, come across that. Yeah, would either get her candy through, I don't know, like Walmart, not Walmart. I'm sorry, Sam's Club or Costco or something like that. Or maybe know. she was friends with Joby Poole. Could be. You didn't ask where the candy came from. I didn't know. No one asked where it came from as long as it was like, well, not, you know, killer candy. 
you know, because we always had one gopher that would go, you know, try it first. But the thing was, yeah, there was always some lady that would somehow get her candy through, I don't know, whatever means. And we generally always had friends that went with us, you know, as we were waiting for the bus, you know, who would get like a thing of candy for us, you know, and we would pay the lady and we didn't always go inside. Yeah, I'm I'm just pleased by that because like where I grew up, the idea of just going to some strange person house, even if you got together two and three at a time, because that's an adult you don't know. They could have taken you all out. Yeah, I never <laughs> said we were bright, but we came in packs, so they couldn't get us all. Now, the reference to me being a Kenny Lane, when he told this story, at the time I was appalled that this is something that exists in certain neighborhoods that I was not privy to. And just now, as I was referencing it, it occurred to me in my journey, I was the candy lady. And what that meant was, without going into a lot of detail, growing up as a child up until the time that I got maybe around 11, my family, the first neighborhood that we lived in, unfortunately, was a redlined neighborhood. Okay. And you guys can Google and figure out what redline meant. And around the time I was age six or seven, it used to be that there were certain schools that were around the Red Line neighborhood. It was their way of making sure their schools weren't integrated in Indianapolis. And then someone caught wise to that and basically was like, dude, either you change where these townships sit or we're going to pull your funding. And then suddenly they're very welcoming of everyone to go to their school. So I went to school and I lived in kind of a food desert before we moved which meant that there wasn't any grocery stores that were nearby. You had to drive a little ways to get to them. Okay. However, there was a little bodega that wasn't very from for us called Linder's. And Linder's was known primarily for their ice cream. But then they also had like, you know, bread and Kool-Aid. That's where I got my comic books from, as well as a pretty substantial area that you can get penny candy. So it's not uncommon for my mama to send us to go to the store to pick up some bread and some butter pecan ice cream because, according to her, there's no other kind. And as we were doing this, I would take my money, whatever was left or whatever I managed to save, and pick up some penny candy. Now, what I eventually discovered is as I was brought into the school system that was largely white until we integrated it in the 80s is that my classmates did not have access to the good candy that we had at Linder's. So yes, they didn't live in a food desert. But on the other hand, they had never seen an Astropop. Or the Nowlators that used to come in the long Nowlators, you know, or things like that. You know, the special stuff that apparently only found their way to the Black neighborhood I lived in. Okay. So one day, my classmates saw me eat an Astropop and asked if I could hook them up. I said, sure. I'll just have to go to the store and buy it. How much was it? Now, at this point... <laughs> Did, is this the beginning of the markup? JJ realized that there is power in excess. <laughs> this is my first real taste of capitalism. So I told her the price, but I checked it up. Okay, to be fair, I think it's, I couldn't remember what the price was. So honestly, 
I think it was like 75 or I think it was like 50 cents or something like that. And I told her 75 cents or something. And once I found out the difference, I didn't exactly tell her. And they thought 75 cents to a dollar was worth it to to pay for this astrobot. Yes, it also depends on where you do it. Because, you know, (laughs) if they have the ability to go to said places, one thing. But also, if they are, like, either on their way to school or in school and they don't have an open campus as such, yeah, you pay a little extra. Well, there was no open campus. Open campus was not a thing where I went to school, one. Okay, that was me. Two, this was before the internet, so they couldn't look up and <laughs> make sure I was telling the truth. Fair. <laughs> and three, we lived in such a different neighborhood, and I was in a situation where in many of these classes, I was the only one of maybe three and four in a class of 20, you know, African-American or black students. And what we found out was none of us was going to snitch on the other. So, hey, if they're willing to pay the jacked up price, everybody wins. They get candy. I get extra money to buy my comic books and other shit. It was a win-win situation. (laughs) And thus began your entrepreneurial career. Exactly. So as you're telling the story, I realized, holy crap, I was the candy lady. (laughs) In this scenario, Joe could come up to me like, hey. So I got these like 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. They're kind of hot. No, no, no. It's okay. But you know what? I don't think that would have worked in that scenario. Because my classmates would have known what a Cadbury cream egg costs. But they couldn't get their hand on an Astropop where they lived. True. At the same time, <laughs> if you have the capacity to a freezer or a refrigerator of some sort, you could refrigerate them. And because Cadbury eggs don't always... Seasonal. Yeah. Exactly. If you sell them out of season, kind of like, you know, buying a whole lot of Girl Scout cookies and then, you know, putting them in a space. I like how old you basically tripped us up on that. But it's the concept of if you sell them out of season, you can make a king's ransom. You know what? That is true. But I was only six and my grift only went so far. Okay. (laughs) And you have people who snitched. (laughs) My grips at that point did not go the distance. That was later when Mr. Shirek caught up with me. Exactly. <laughs> That's when he finally figured out that I was up-pricing the, the gloves that I was give, selling to people. Because why? Because someone snitched. Exactly. That's why you stand. You have to, <laughs> you have to cut, either cut in or cut out the snitches. So now that we have my trauma <laughs> figured out, as well as the fact that apparently I was the candy lady in my, my story. <laughs> Good job to the English <laughs> police department. The West mercy of police for catching Joby. So the Cadbury cream eggs are saved. <laughs> Even though, was this the... I just want to make sure I got my story straight. Was this the guy who said in his defense that he only did it as a prank? I don't think he ever gave it a reason why. Okay. He just took the eggs. See? He was an entrepreneurial work. <laughs> they just broke his hustle. <laughs> yeah. In a chase. So now that we have that out of the way, there is really no easy way to transition to this next story. But we will. <laughs> and that is, when you think of Chick-fil-A, what exactly do you think of? You think of 
chicken sandwiches. You think of unusually friendly people. You think of, unfortunately, the bigotiness because their owners are not supportive of all the LBGTQ community. Yeah, that's right. I'm calling y'all out on it. But basically, it's in the name. When you go there, you expect what? Chicken. Chicken, right? You know, it's kind of like that story where we had where Raising King Chicken Fingers. Once again, you expect chicken fingers to be served is yeah. in the name. Well, as look would have it, very soon you could go to Chick-fil-A and get something that's decidedly not chicken. As Chick-fil-A has recently announced, they're going to be making a new fried cauliflower sandwich. A fried cauliflower sandwich. Yes. So the sandwich looks a lot like their well-known fried sandwich that inadvertently started the whole Great Chicken Wars <laughs> back in the day when Popeye decided and actually succeeded in creating a better sandwich. But they're testing a new sandwich right now in certain markets, in three different markets across the country, where it's going to be what they call a plant forward entree. And I'll explain that in a moment because usually restaurants will offer a vegetarian choice. And we've talked about it on the show, like the Impossible Whopper. I'm a big fan of the Impossible Whopper. In fact, a couple weeks ago when we went grocery shopping, yes, you willingly picked up some Beyond Beef. I was shocked. Trying to change <laughs> my stratosphere of things. I, I, I'm basically trying to stay alive in part. <laughs> well, we like that. So according to them, according to their director of menu and packaging for Chick-fil-A, they said, obviously, we're committed to chicken and chicken is the hero. But it's becoming more and more prevalent that customers really want to find ways to increase vegetables in their diet. So, of course, they can order salads and without other items without chicken. But with this new item, what they decide to do is use um, cauliflower in a way and they prepare it so it's modeled over behind chicken. So they use the same breading, the two pickle slices, the toasted bun, and they marinated in a mild buffalo style sauce. And what they do is they pressure cook it to make sure that it can get kind of like the chicken texture, so to speak. Okay. But it is cauliflower. And they chose that primarily because of the fact that, you know, the way it holds up when you cook it. And cauliflower is often used to substitute for chicken-based items, like those ch cauliflower chicken wings that I made several months ago that you liked before you realized that you were not eating chicken. <laughs> I still want to fight the air. Now, the reason why they call it plant-floored and not a vegetarian sandwich is that even though that there's no meat at all in this, they actually make it in the same prep kitchen as they make their meat. Okay. So I know that a lot of people, for example, want to avoid getting into any type of situation when they have their, their vegetarian meals prepared that it's not interacting with meat in any way. In their mind, they can't, don't feel comfortable. And I admire their honesty of saying that, yeah, we're going to offer this for you. It's made with cauliflower, pickles, bread, milk, eggs, a whole nine yards. But, you know, we are a chicken sandwich. It's in our name. <laughs> it's going to be made in the same place. 
If you can live with that, then yeah, sure, it's vegetarian. But we, even though they're meticulous about food safety, there's not going to be in the restaurants if they go forward and offer this throughout the country, a place reserved just for this preparation. And it's important to note, by the way, because it does contain egg products and milk products as opposed to simply just cauliflower, pickles, and bread alone, Yes, that it would never be considered vegan. Right. So what do you think about this? Is this something that you would try? I would try it, but no one gets to tell me what it is before I try it first. So it would be one thing that I would actually have to trick you into eating, like yes. normal. <laughs> exactly. Because if I know about it and I just like walk into it, I'm like, okay. I can already tell that my mind is going to tell me no. I will not do this. This is not cool. But take a look at it. Because if you look at it on its face, there is no way you could tell. Everything just kind of popped up and I'm not sure why. But basically, you could tell that it's not, that it's not, you can't tell that it's a sandwich made with cauliflower. No, you can put lipstick on a pig. (laughs) Just call that a pig? Really? It looks like a sandwich. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a sandwich. And yes, you (laughs) you could, you know, dress it up any way you want. But if your mind tells you that whether or not you call it plant forward, it basically is, it's the taste. It's the consistency once it goes in your mouth. Now, like I said, if that's something that I'm not like against, you know, this being made or whatnot, but pretty much, you know, that it, as soon as you taste it, you're going to know it's not the same as everything else in the menu. Well, look at it this way, because you once felt that way about Impossible Beef. Yeah. And you've been able to eat it and make sandwiches over it and things like that. So... Once you get over the quote-unquote mental side of it, you know, it's something that you can easily enjoy. Yeah, I'm not saying that we'll never do it, but pretty much with cauliflower, sometimes you do, depending on how it's dressed up, you know it's cauliflower when you eat it. You know, as opposed to, yeah, there's some other, I guess, you know, concoctions that, yes, when you eat it, it's a little well a little better masked, as we would say, but making it ch- the way that the chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A is kind of built on and how the consistency comes across is probably not as easy to mask. Well, it's interesting that you said that because in marketing this new release, um, apparently Chick-fil-A had invited several press organizations to come and check it out. One of the organizations that wrote on their experience is Southern Living, which if you're familiar with that magazine, let me tell you, they're all about the fried chicken. Okay. So anyway, this one particular writer, Kimberly Holland, was invited in early February in order to take a a peek at the new sandwich. She said that the sandwich was made with whole cauliflower slices or slabs that have been marinated in a buffalo salad sauce dipped in an egg wash, and double breaded. So it's prepared just in every way, like the original Chick-fil-A sandwich. Now, she said that she found the patty incredibly juicy and actually more tender than a classic chicken filet. The buffalo marinade, she said, was mild. It added just a hint of vinegar, but very low burn. And she said, more importantly, the way that they did it, truth be told, if you didn't know what the patty was, odds are you wouldn't be able to guess. And that's the whole point. As people become more and more conscious of what they're eating, 
restaurants like Chick-fil-A and to a larger degree burger restaurants like Burger King and I think even Applebee's now has like a Beyond Burger type option. Okay. They're going to have to be really great at kind of hiding the fact that you're eating something that's quote unquote plant forward. And I just think that this is a trend. I know we have talked about it as it pretty much over the length of our podcast that this is going to be a trend that's going to be staying. And it looks like it is, which kind of changes the game because I remember when we were in college, when I had my first friend that was decidedly vegetarian. And for the short period of time that I went vegetarian myself, again, not necessarily for moral reasons, it's just that meat was hella expensive when I was in grad school. The fact that they have far more choices that are available and choices that decidedly taste more like the meat substance that we love. Do you think this will lead more and more people to become vegetarian or integrate this more into their lifestyle? Oh, goodness. I It truly depends on the person and, like, why. Because, I mean, I, I'm i not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. I'm not an Episcopalian. <laughs> that does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not that. But, no, I, I think for overall health reasons, I mean, it's not something that, like, I would choose as a a lifestyle. But... I think because as we're, I think we're all trying to stay around a little longer and we're trying to live a little longer. I have to concede sometimes that yes, in order to not eat the same sausage or chicken sandwich or burger every day that, yeah, there needs to be different alternatives and yeah, swapping out, you know, this sandwich Mm, once or twice a week and whatnot might actually be beneficial. It's just as long as Chick-fil-A is true to their mantra of making really good products and that they put in the work on it. I will say that. Well, if you would like to try your own um, Chick-fil-A cauliflower sandwich, you should act fast. They've been offering it since mid-February, but you can only get them at select stories stores right now. In Colorado, South Carolina, and North Carolina. So basically, they're avoiding Georgia, Florida, Alabama, <laughs> Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas. Uh, let's see, Arkansas. You said there, there's nothing in Missouri, right? No, yeah, it's just so I'm those thinking three of all locations. the like all the big southern states that have like you know a lot of the uh, the beef eaters. You know, you know what? You don't have to be a southern state to appreciate fried chicken. It's fried chicken. Yeah. But if you want good fried chicken... Hey, I do not live down there, and you know I make good fried chicken. But you spent time <laughs> down there. And technically, it's a Southern family member's recipe. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. <laughs> like I said, no shock, but at the same time, yeah. I was thinking in my head, like when they were testing this out, that they had to probably test them in places where you know, you're not going to have like Bubba and his friends. Well, <laughs> if you live in those three locations... Definitely try it out. Unfortunately, if you do not, you may have to make a road trip from work or whatever just to get your hands on one. But just so you know, our third story will actually make that easier. As long as you make that road trip on St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) So I know what you guys are thinking. Why specifically that? And how St. Patrick's Day will make getting away in order to 
road trip for a sandwich or anything basically easier. Well, this has to do with Jameson Irish Risky, the brand which is become synonymous for many people with St. Patrick's Day. They're concerned that people are not doing enough in order to celebrate, which, first of all, we live in Chicagoland. I'm, I'm not even sure how that's a thing. Where we live, they love Chicago. Chicago loves St. Patrick's Day so much that they colored the river green every year. Green death for days. So clearly, we know how to throw a damn good party when it comes to St. Patrick's Day. But you know what? Jameson's Irish wish we believes that not everyone has that same fervor. Plus, they know that people are not taking time off for various reasons. In fact, according to them, in a 2020 study, over 61% of U.S. workers feel guilty about taking time off from work for reasons that ranges from worrying about falling behind on a project or feeling less valued about their co-workers. So not to be deterred, they decided to help us out a bit by coming up with your own desk decoy. Desk decoy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so in order to encourage us to skip our normal nine to five in order to take time out and party a little bit in name of the Irish and St. Patrick's Day, they have created the Jameson Jess decoy, which is actually a life-size cardboard cutout of yourself that you can set up at your workstation while you're off partying. Yes, I so, agree. <laughs> so they even came up with a concept that's called an SPTO, which stands for a St. Patrick's Day time off. So it's like an FTO or a PTO type. But, but just for that. So according to their vice president marketing, we've all been there before. Your boss forgot that you took an SPTO and swing spied in order to meet with you one-on-one. Or your finance department didn't get your SPTO memo and request your latest expense report while you're out of the office. So that's why in the true spirit of Jameson's, we're introducing the sink. We're introducing the Jameson's desk decoy, a comical life-size version of yourself for the office. So the real you can take a planned time off and go celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So if you'd like to order your own, you can go through their website. Of course, I'll put it in the show notes. And between now and March 10th, you can order it. You'll have to upload a photo of your face, which Jameson theme outfit you'd like your cardboard you to wear, and then decide if it should stand five foot six or five eleven. So I can make a taller version of me. I almost want to do this so it can be bigger, taller than me for a change. Yeah, it, it comes in five foot six or it comes in five foot eleven. Yes. It's gonna be bigger than you. Well, that's the whole point. Yes. No matter what. <laughs> I'm saying I want to order one so I can finally say that I'm 5'11". Now, it only costs $17.80 plus tax for every desk decoy. And in case you're wondering where they came up with that price, it's because Jamerson was founded in 1780. Okay. Smart, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> They're still making money one way or another. So, again, between now and March 10th, in order to assure that you'll get delivered by St. Patrick's Day, and in case you're wondering what they're doing with the money, okay, they are donating 100% of the proceeds from the desk decoy sales to an actually really cool place. It's called the Restaurant Workers Community Fund, 
and will make an additional $25,000 contribution to the organization. So they're one of the funds that came up that have been helping restaurants stay afloat during, you know, some of the difficult times tied to the pandemic. Okay. Now, if you're sure how to pull this off, you can go to their website and you can see a series of videos with actress Regina Hall. So again, love it already, where she demonstrates how her desk decoy helps her bill on the office. And I, I got to say, all the marketing strategies that are just truly, truly helpful. I like this one. I, I think if we can get this going, this could be a less offensive time on our tradition than some of the other things like the St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I agree. So would you do this? Would you take advantage of this? Would I go into the office and see like, well, first of all, you would choose what, the 511? Well, yes, <laughs> I would. And would this benefit you if you work from home? Because I figured that this would only work if you work in an office straight out. Do it on Zoom meetings, I guess. If you have to turn on your camera. That's what I would keep it for, if I have to turn on my camera. Yeah. Okay, first and foremost, <laughs> I would use this thing all year long. It would literally be like the most, you know, because during Zoom meetings, like, you know, you don't always know if everybody's paying attention. Right. So thus, yeah, that thing would be in every single Zoom meeting. You would never see, like, my real face <laughs> at all for the rest of this year. Y'all would be like, why does he look so wooden now? They'll be like, wait, wait a minute. He has this, like, sheen on his face. No, that wasn't me. No, they'll just look, wow, T looks really fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll put one with a smile on me on my face. That way they know it's different because... Like, every Zoom meeting, I have, like, a mean mug face. I would tweak mine. So, it may not even be my selfie. It would be, like, Halle Berry's or something that I would tweak to get rid of my double chin or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> but I'm also thrown by the fact that, yes, this, for me, this, you know, Lord willing, unless something comes up, unless somebody is taking their own uh, STPO. Right. You know, my office, I think that. One, I think it falls on my day because this St. Patrick's Day falls on a Friday first. It also falls on the second day of the NCAA tournament. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. And unless somebody's icing their Warhols. <laughs> Which I don't understand. Why can't you guys just use vacation days for that? Why do men schedule vasectomies in order to be able to watch that? I don't know. See, they invented this for you. <laughs> they did. Because it keeps us from having to, you know, go get the vasectomy during the NCAA tournament. You guys don't know what that is talking about. We talked about it in the previous podcast. Just Google it. It is the most insane thing ever. <laughs> yes, yeah, basically men icing their, you know, there's, you know, men kibbles purpose, and bits. Men purposely plan vasectomies around the NCAA tournament. So they have an excuse to, to sit and watch it because they don't know how to take vacation time. I, I just don't get that. Yeah, because they, you know, I'm sure they're saving <laughs> it for other things. And or, as you said, <laughs> they feel self-conscious about having to, you know, take this time off for basketball. But yeah. You know while you're on vacation. You just do it. Depends on the boss. Okay. <laughs> One, but I would also like to say that this would actually become very useful 
throughout the rest of the year because, as you know, in America, we find all kind of reasons to drink. Yeah. We are the, the country that literally would drink on, what, St. Patrick's Day? We would drink on Easter, even though it's Sunday. We will drink on, what, Cinco, Cinco de Mayo. De Mayo. We will drink on Juneteenth. Wait, just Juneteenth. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, going backwards, going to Memorial Day. <laughs> we'll drink on Father's Day. We'll drink on Flag Day. <laughs> of course, the 4th of July. I'm trying to think. We'll find a holiday in August to celebrate. So, in other words, this will get a lot of use. Yes. We'll be like, well, it'll be the Baseball Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> Let's drink to it. One of the best things about this campaign is whoever came up with this clearly has spent time as an office drone. So I can give a lot of respect for that because one of the things they've done besides create this decoy is they even have templates of emails that you can send to get you out of work. So like one of the sample emails that says, hello, thanks for the email. It's great hearing from you. It's also a great time to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, which is why I'm out of the office on an official SPTO. Spending time with friends and family. Hope you can do the same. Cheers. So there's even specialized out-of-office emails. So they thought of everything. Yes, they did. Now, of course, you're still going to get fired if your boss realizes that you put a cardboard <laughs> decoy in your seat instead of actually doing the work. Not unless but he does it first. But if you're willing to risk it, hey, more power to you. That's right. If he or she does it before <laughs> I do, then hey, we're all doing this as a community. I personally like this one. The image of the decoy. Hi, so this isn't me. This is my Jameson desk decoy. Here to take care of things while I'm away from the office enjoying St. Patrick's Day time off. Whatever you need, they can help. Unless you need them to write or talk. But don't worry. I'll be back on Monday. Happy St. Patrick's Day. JJ. <laughs> So again, hats off to the great people at Jamerson Irish Frisky for coming up with this. And if you want to order your own, you can find the link in our show notes. So guys, here's the thing. We're going to take a break. <laughs> Sorry. Hopefully this doesn't come out as a rough cut <laughs> on the podcast. Um, because at one point, to be fair, all of our pets decided just in unison to go insane. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to close out with our choices of the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to the Gourmet Guru Podcast, and we will be right back. Hey, Gooberland, this is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. Do you consider yourself gumberworthy? Maybe you're a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet. Well, if so, tell the world what your very own Goober gear. From aprons and mugs to t-shirts and hoodies, it's the perfect way to support our show while telling the world that you're part of Gooberland. So just head over to gooberswag.com, that's gooberswag.com, and get your very own Goober gear now. This is JJ Outlaw. And this is T Outlaw. And we are back with the last segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast where we share the best thing we ate this week. And you know what? I love the title, but actually it's the best thing we ate since we were last on the mic. 
And if you're new to the show, that's where we share the recipes or the dishes from restaurants or, you know, the great food truck that we came across. Basically, if there's good grub, we want to tell you about it. <laughs> How about that? I'll take it. <laughs> As always, we invite all of our listeners to share with us the best thing they ate this week. So if you have something you want the world to know about, drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com and we may reach your comment on the show. So as always, we start with Big Daddy. And I know it's been a little while since we've been on the mic. Um, what is the best thing you had since we last spoke to the audience? Well, I'm going to make this short and sweet. The best thing I had actually came about because of a Midwestern type of Mardi Gras. Are you talking about the Poonchki Day? <laughs> also, it's Poonchki Day. Or Fat Tuesday, obviously. Or Fat Tuesday, yes. <laughs> so, the best thing I ate this week was because with Mardi Gras, as with a lot of things, like we usually get king cake and, you know, we... We're strolling around in beads, and this is, uh, what, the pretense before the luncheon season. So, the goober came home with a, a box of pastries that are called punchkis. And the goober will explain it to you better, because I, if I explain it, it's going to come across as really culturally insensitive. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not sure about that. But, punchkis, which is funny, because if you look at it, it does not look like it should be pronounced that way. But it, since coming to Chicago, I have learned it is pronounced punchkis. Punchkis are a traditional Polish pastry that is fried and usually filled with some goodness. And we'll kind of go over some of the flavors in a moment. But it's kind of like, you know what? I really like the way the Smithsonian Magazine described it. They described a fresh fried punchki it's like a donut cross with a brioche. Wouldn't you say that's kind of correct? Yes, the bread was pretty much, it was definitely different than that of your traditional fried donuts. Yes, exactly. So in Poland, they're traditionally made on the Thursday before Ash Wednesday. But many Polish Americans enjoy it on what they traditionally call Puszki Day, which having relatives down south, I'm more familiar with that with Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. So you can get it, as I mentioned before, traditionally filled with a lot of, you know, sweet fillings like the punchkis we got had, what, it had like a buffalo, not buffalo, a Boston cream filling. Yeah, Boston cream filling, a little bit of buttercream and some. There was also a, a, raspberry. a raspberry, which was really good. I was really surprised. But they also have it in everything from... Apple to cherry to prune, apparently. Prune is actually really popular around here, which I wouldn't think to put prune in a donut. And but... I wouldn't choose to eat it either. <laughs> but it is actually very, very popular. So, Poonchki Day is celebrated traditionally around the Midwest, you know, in places, you know, any place where they have like a big Polish heritage population, right? And so we definitely have that in the Midwest, especially in Chicago, which is huge. But I'm also familiar that they celebrate in places like Buffalo and Detroit um, to the point where here in the Windy City area, we just call it Poonchki Day. <laughs> so it's kind of like a huge thing to the point where 
you know, bakers around that time of year, leading, the week leading up to Fat Tuesday, they take advantage of it. In fact, there's this one baker that's really, really popular in Chicago. I think they're called, yeah, they're called Delightful Pastries. Guess how many poonchkis that they traditionally sell the week of Fat Tuesday? Um, if you're the place to guess. I'm going to take a gather and say like maybe, I don't know, a couple thousand. Uh, try 20 to 25,000 poonchkis just doing that week alone. Okay. Dude, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Hot. Yes. So if you have an opportunity to grab a, a good poonchki where you are, definitely try them. They're they're worth a try. It's one of my favorite traditions here. Traditionally, I always try to get king cake. So this year, I don't know. I just couldn't get a king cake. And it was literally the day of Mardi Gras. I turned to you and I was like, the day is not going to end without me having a poonchki. <laughs> no, she was very determined putting together this poonchki, like, collage. And let me tell you, if you're going to go on poonchki day, go early. Because I made the mistake of going midway during the day. And I had a bizarre <laughs> incident where I think this little lady was going to throw down on me. Because she was going to box with, like, you know, Sophia Petrillo. She looked like she was about to lay hands for the last chocolate pooch filled poonchki. And in the end, we didn't get that, so I just let her have it. I was like, you know what? It, it would be hella odd for me to be in the news arrested because and get smacked the hell up by someone's nana. So I was like, you know what? This box is perfect. <laughs> That's a damn shame. <laughs> You just got to sharpen your elbows just to get a couple of boxes, just get a pot, box. Someone's nanny was about to take me out. I'm just saying. But I I have to say, if you get your hands on one of the box of poonchkis that is fresh made, definitely recommend it. And I'm glad you liked it because I know that's not something that we traditionally have. So I was kind of worried that you didn't really dig it. Just curious because I know we had like the Boston cream pie the cream cheese one and the raspberry one. Which was your favorite? I like them all. I'm not going to lie to you. I did like them all. Like, I mean, I'm not a, a person who eats a lot of, as you say, like the fruit pie right. type fillings. I would love to say Boston cream pie. Yeah, that was hella good. Yeah. I was surprised how much I liked the raspberry one. Yeah, it even, was too. Even though I like filled donuts, I usually stick away from like, the ones that are filled with, like, fruit, because usually they're, like, uber sweet. But that's one of the nice things about a poonchki is it's not, like, overly sickeningly sweet, at least the ones I've had. And that includes the dough as well. So, yay. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I did. It was the best thing I ate this week. Well, I'm going to actually, because this article in the Smithsonian does a really awesome job of explaining the tradition of Poonchki Day. So I'll share it in the show notes. And even though you, by the time this podcast comes out, at least in 2023, Poonchki Day has already passed. But if you're lucky like we are and live in a place where they do have a sizable Polish heritage community, then the odds are you could probably get your hands on on all year round. So if that's the case, kind of encouraged to do so. So my choice for the best thing we had this week is actually a new place that opened down the street from us. 
And it's called Jet's Pizza. And Jet's Pizza, if you're not familiar with it, they make different types of pizza, including like thin crust, what we call tavern style pizza here in Chicagoland. But they're best known for their Detroit style pizza. And if you've not had a slice of Detroit style pizza, oh my God, please <laughs> make it your mission. If you can get your hands in some Bayou, it is really, really next level delicious. Now, what makes Detroit style pizza unique is how it's made. So traditional Detroit style pizza, first of all, instead of it being circular, it's in a rectangular shape. And usually, like, for example, Jets Pizza, they sell it by corners, right? Right. So, so they're large pizzas, like an eight-corner pizza, or I think the smaller one is like two or four-corner pizza. The reason why is that one of the great things about it is with the dough, and they cook it in these thick steel pans. So it's almost like a deep dish type of crust, but not in a Chicago style way. You have that like crispness. Yeah, you have the really hard solid, I'm not going to say burnt ends, but you'll have the hard crispy ends. Yeah, it's definitely crispy, crunchy outside the crust. Also, one of the unique things about a Detroit style pizza is sort of how they lay the tomatoes and the cheese. In fact, traditionally, I believe they use like a brick style cheese. That makes it unique, but yeah, it basically, it's just awesome. <laughs> I could take maybe 10 or 20 minutes going into the nuances of the pizza. But I'm just going to save your time and just say it's awesome. So it's one of the definitive style pizzas that's unique to cities in the United States, much like New York style pizza or Chicago. And yes, John Stewart, if you ever hear this, Chicago style pizza is pizza. Don't let me get you started on that. <laughs> okay, but Jets Pizza has brought the church style pizza. They've opened up a place near us, and it's kind of nice because, you know, living in the Midwest but not in Detroit proper sometimes is a little hard to get your hands on that type of pizza. You know what? I do remember. Oh my gosh! So the pizza that we ordered when we found that they opened, we like ran towards them. I think within the first week they were open because we were dying to try it. And so we got what's known as their Eugene Supreme. So with that, you get your pizza sauce. They don't use the brick cheese that I've heard is traditional for that kind. But instead, they use mozzarella. But then it has Italian sausage, green onions, sorry, green peppers, onions. And then they call them mild peppers. But for us in the Chicagoland area and different places, it's pepperoncinis. Yeah, don't bring that little, you know, little crappy peppers. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got to bring good, solid peppers, including pepperoncinis. And you would think pepperoncinis on a pizza would be, like, kind of hella weird with their, you know, tangy, tangy goodness that's on it. But really, it paired really well with the sweetness of the tomato sauce, the savoriness of the Italian sausage. It was just, like... Just what we needed to bring the pizza to a second level of goodness. Yeah, it worked really well with the uh, cheese. Yeah, because you weren't sure if you were going to dig it at first, but you liked it too, right? Yeah, now that I have sampled good Detroit-style pizza, now I've become almost like <laughs> like a connoisseur of bougie about it. 
I'm like, you can't just have, you know, like Pizza Hut style of Detroit style. You have to have like a good emphasis, good, almost great vendor to make good Detroit pizza. No, it was definitely one of my my favorite things that I've had an opportunity to have pizza wise. So if you can get your hands on a Jets pizza, and I know that they're in different locations across the country, definitely check it out. Unfortunately, I don't think they ship for those of you who live outside the area. However, do you remember, gosh, who made it? Oh, the outsider. Okay. All right. If a Jet Pizza is not by you and you want to try a good Detroit style pizza, remember that frozen pizza company that I like so much that I tweeted them several years ago and we've been tweeting back and forth ever since? Yes. The Outsiders Pizza Company. They make as one of their specialties a Detroit style pizza that is really, really good. Not just for a Detroit style, but just like a frozen pizza, period. You know, sometimes frozen pizza doesn't live up to its promise. <laughs> it's, it's sometimes it's really sad. Yeah, sometimes we, we weep to call it pizza. But I have to say, if I could give my thumbprint of approval, if you can find an outsider's Detroit style pizza, it's not, it's not 100% like obviously get it from Jets pizza, right? Because... You know, they make it fresh for you there. But the Detroit style, I would say the frozen pizza we get from Outsiders is pretty close, right? I would agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So get your hands on that. And you know what? I will find a link and put that in the show notes as well. So here you have it. You've heard yet another episode of the Gourmet Gooper podcast. Big Daddy, where can they find you online? Well, you can find me <laughs> once again as Tiala. Because he can spell. Thank you. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and you can also find me on Instagram at Tiala Josie Wells. And you can always find me JJ Outlaw. I'm on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. I'm on Spatable at JJ Outlaw. Again, I'll put a link to the show notes. Shout out to Chris Marbuzi for putting that together. And I am on Insta at Gourmet Cooper. So we're so glad that you enjoyed listening to us. Hopefully you can catch us again on a future episode. Until next time, this is Big Daddy and I saying happy eating. Happy eating. <laughs>